Good morning. My name is Rachel Dorstad. I'm the pastoral intern here at Bell Mead, um, and I'm glad to be with you. Just a week ago, I graduated from Vanderbilt Divinity with my master's in theological studies, um, which is, thank you. Um, and, but we'll continue to be here at Bell Mead in this role, serving as the online pastor, helping connect folks who worship online with us. I'm also in the process, the very slow and long process of ordination um, on the deacon track as well. Our God is a God of movement. Our God is a God this very moment. Our God is active, not some stiff statue up in the sky, not some immovable figure, not some antiquated fixture. Our God is present always. Our God is on the move, moving us to the end of the earth. Our God is Emmanuel, God with us, even to the very end of the age. Our God is a holy mobilizer, a divine activator, the fire in us, the force that moves us toward acts of love and justice. Our God is here, closer to us than our own breath. Our God is a God of movement. Our God is a God of this very moment. Our God calls us to be witnesses. And in our text, it's not even framed as a command. It's just a simple statement of our identity. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says. And we do not go alone. We go in partnership with the Holy Spirit and with one another because this work is not solitary. It's not done in isolation. It is very much a group project. It's a group project with individual responsibilities And it happens in the very midst of our everyday, normal, complicated, peculiar life. I do wonder about how the disciples were feeling during all of this. Their friend with whom they had shared life with for three years had died a very public and tragic death, was dead, was resurrected, made all these appearances, and now was leaving them for good, for good, good. I can imagine that was not easy. I can imagine that they had lots of emotions, that even though this departure was a good and necessary thing, that they didn't want to lose their friend again. His departure meant they would be sent into another cycle of grief as they let him go. And I can imagine that this brought on a lot of questions for them too. And this is made evident by the fact that the disciples are asking Jesus up until the very end, when are you going to restore power to Israel? And even until the very last moments, they're still not quite getting the point. They are fixated on this worldly power. But Jesus ever so graciously redirects them and says, I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen. But I do know that you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will share about what you have seen. So thinking about this, all this emotional landscape the disciples are going through and the questions that they have, that gives me a lot of relief because this is not a story devoid of humanity. It has all angles of the human condition. It has grief and gratitude, a little bit of clarity, but really like more questions than there are answers. It has community and loss, mystery and certainty, and this instruction to wait before the invitation to go. Today, we have five 
young people who have just traveled through confirmation with mentors and teachers and guides. In the last few weeks, we've also had over 30 adults attending Bellmead 101 during the Sunday school hour, learning about what it means to be United Methodist, the core tenets of our faith, and how to get connected to our local faith community. In both settings, I think it reminds us that it is good and necessary to ask questions, that curiosity is a necessary part of our faith development. It is always a good time to learn, no matter where we are on our journey of faith and life. And I love that these things are happening simultaneously because it reminds all of us to keep staying curious. Even we don't get all of our questions answered, even if the holy mysteries are not solved by the end of this week or this month, like even our text has mystery to it, like this person who was dead is now resurrected and now is like leaving earth on a cloud. Like that to me, like poses some questions, um, but that is a good thing. And we can, we are encouraged to keep asking questions, even if we believe it and don't totally get it. And of course, Jesus's ascension was not just about geography. It's not like where in the sky did Jesus land, but it's about status. He was resuming his place with God as a one in whom all things are held together. His presence not being on earth meant he could have a more saturating presence in our life with the Holy Spirit. So for Jesus, death was not the end of the story. For Jesus, resurrection was not the end of the story. For Jesus, ascension was not the end of the story. With the gift of the Holy Spirit, we continue to live in the story of Jesus. And all of those parts, life, death, resurrection, ascension, spirit, are all necessary, and they can't stand alone. Scholars believe that Acts is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Even though they don't appear consecutively in our scriptures, they're written by the same author and kind of keep on the story of the Gospel of Luke. That's why these first few verses at the beginning of our text kind of serve as a bridge between the two units. And it's interesting to note that the Gospels were a new form of literature, a new way of communicating. They were a new genre. Given the life of Jesus, there needed to be a way, a new way to tell stories. And I think some of us can see that in our own life too. Like given the life and our experiences with Jesus, we tell stories in a new way. Given the life death, resurrection, ascension, and spirit of Jesus, we tell our own stories differently. We become people of deep love. We become people who advocate for the marginalized, who give power to the powerless, who believe the stories of others when they share their courageous and uncomfortable truths. Because we are called not just to be witnesses, but to bear the witness of others to hold that heaviness along with them. Last week, Sam referenced the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which is this four components of how we develop our theology. Scripture, tradition, reason or logic, and then experience. And last week, we kind of honed in on that logic part, when Jesus is praying for the disciples' minds to be opened so they could understand the scriptures better. And this week, I think it's easy and it's helpful to think about the experience part. An experience is not just our own experience, but the lived experiences of others. I can't just base all my theology on what I have lived through, because that necessarily excludes other people. 
This means we make decisions in response to people speaking up about their trauma, about their discrimination, when their rights are being taken away, when the laws we create perpetuate harm rather than healing. This means we have to expand what gets included in our theological conversations. One definition of a witness that I read this week is someone who sees something, says something, and suffers something. The thought being that when we have experiences and then speak up about them, it can cost us something. Sometimes it costs us a lot. It might cost us our community, our job, our reputation. But I think it also costs the person who is receiving that witness, too. Sometimes it costs us our very firmly established worldview. Thinking back to my first year of divinity school, my husband Cody and I got married and relocated to Nashville within like the first few months. Um, We left jobs that were really dear to us and kind of started over. This was like 2020, so like COVID is fresh and intense at the time. Um, So I was doing all of my schoolwork on Zoom as well, which was not not ideal. Um, And in that second semester, I was taking this class on theodicy, which is the conversation of God and human suffering. So like the softball of the divinity school experience, like nice and light, no big questions that you're posed with at all. Um, And I just remember feeling so uprooted. I started meeting with a new spiritual director, and that's kind of where we started, that everything felt on the table. Almost everything felt up for negotiation, unearthed, infinitely more nuanced, which is like the point of divinity school, but it was still like intense and exhausting and unnerving. And so I learned a new kind of discernment in that season of one of taking in other people's experiences and their questions and taking them alongside my experience and how I would mix in those two together as I developed a new theology. And I don't say this as like, I've graduated, so I've arrived, but I say this as like someone who is very much in process, and I hope that I will always be. Like it feels valuable to me to be a human in this world that we are constantly taking in new perspectives. And I think in the same way that Jesus opened the minds of the disciples to understand the scriptures, I think that Jesus opens our hearts to receive the sacred text that is other people's witness. Our work is both being a witness and bearing the witness of others. And can I can imagine this, like with the disciples, they're living this too, that they're having this experience that is beyond reason. Like this, again, this person who has been dead, they see many times, and then he's like going away on a cloud. Like that is beyond reason and logic, and yet we believe them because that was their experience. And so when we encounter things that push up against what we know to be true or we think we know to be true, there's an invitation there. An invitation for holy imagination, for generous listening, and expansive theology. The question is, will we make ourselves available to it? On Thursday, uh, pastors Sam and Steve and I went on a little field trip to Salome Health, which is a nonprofit here in Nashville and now in Antioch. They opened a second location. Salome Health provides health care for those who are uninsured and underserved, those who are slipping through the cracks of our um, health care system. 
They're one of the primary providers of refugees who are resettling in Middle Tennessee. They do their preliminary health screenings. And Salome operates very much from a whole person perspective. They do physical health, but also know that it's important to take into account mental and physical and spiritual health because that is key to our flourishing. And one of the volunteer programs that they were talking about was called Nashville Neighbors. So a volunteer group forms a team, maybe four or five or six people, and that team is responsible for visiting newly established refugee families. And the team model helps because they, the team is responsible for two visits per month for six months, so folks can kind of rotate in and out. And in those visits, they are building relationships, but also doing some introductory healthcare in America education, things like what to do in an emergency, how to call 911, some pedestrian or traffic safety, because those things are different in different countries. Um, and one of the, as we're walking around and learning about the organization and their mission, I'm like, my sermon is writing itself right now. Um, because of this text, because of this call to go to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, like the nations are here in our city. Wes, the director of engagement and our tour guide, said that last year 55 languages were spoken in the clinic. 55. One in eight people who live in Nashville were not born in the United States. That's about 134,000 people. So when Jesus says, go to the very end of the earth, this again is not even really about geography. It's not about booking a plane ticket to the other side of the world. It is a cross town, like driving across town or maybe down the street, depending on what part of the town you live in. And I get that working with refugees might be not everybody's call, but I do wonder how you are encountering the world in your daily life. Coworkers, clients, your classmates, your neighbors, how are you encountering the world in your daily living? Our witnessing will take us to the ends of the earth. God's presence goes with us to the end of the age. I wonder how you will take this invitation and promise to the ends of yourself. Our God is a God of movement. Our God is a God of this moment. Our God is active. Our God is present. Our God is on the move. Our God is with us. Our God energizes us. Our God is here. Our God says we will be witnesses. We do not go alone. We go braided in partnership with the Holy Spirit and one another. May we continue to let our theology expand and grow and evolve so we can become witnesses and bear the witness of others. Amen.